When Sam asked me to preach this morning or to uh, take this part of the service, I told him that for some time I'd been thinking about <clears throat> wanting just to share with you um, how much the influence of singing has impacted on my life. Uh, growing up in Christian communities, firstly, from the point of view of praise and worship, but also in acknowledgement of the marvellous heritage we have. So uh, I'm going to be self-indulgent today, I hope you don't mind, and reflect on uh, my life and the influences of singing during that time. I've loved singing, possessing a sort of an average sort of voice. I've sung around the house very loudly, driven duty up the wall, particularly with my la-la-la-la-las, because I'm not too good on remembering the words. Neighbours have suffered, but fortunately never complained. On occasions I've been asked to sing solo, but generally far less than perfect has been the result. And I've always come away, and those of you who went to Nita's funeral will understand that, and I've generally come away with um, dissatisfaction of, you know, of how I've managed it. My dad was a trained opera singer with a magnificent operatic tenor voice. He set the tone of our family musical life. Mum accompanied him on the accompanied him on the piano. My father, my brother, who was far more gifted than I, um, musically that is, played very well, sang very well, and later conducted quite a number of choirs. I just sang at the top of my voice. I particularly loved to demonstrate that I could sing a top C. It came from the aria in Il Trovatore, the tenor aria. But I can so assure you that it was less than pleasant, the sound. And I have stopped now following an extensive pleading from Judy. <laughs> Don't do it, David. All of the Potter clan in those days uh, loved to sing and I gave up and I grew up in a household where family community singing, aunts, uncles, cousins, was highly valued. One of my cousins was billed as the Wonder Boy Soprano at the Wayville Showgrounds and he spent a lifetime singing with the Adelaide Singers. Singing for me has been the most significant outlet of my praise and worship. It draws me into God's presence like few other things can. It began when I was in the beginner's class at Sunday school. We sang such songs as Jesus Bids Us Shine, 
with a clear blue pure light, like a little candle burning in the night. In this world of darkness, so we must shine, you in your small corner and I in mine. Jesus loves me, this I know is the other one. Jesus loves the little children of the world, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And of course, there was the all things bright and beautiful. Who remembers these songs? Anybody? Ah, quite a few. In those days, our church service started at 11 o'clock. Halfway through the service, a service as young children, we went out during the sermon, not to Sunday school, but to Christian Endeavour. There we sang Elam choruses, such as, In my heart there rings a melody. Build on the rock, we used to have signage for that, build on the rock and not upon the sands. I am H-A-P-P-Y, I know I am, I'm sure I am, I am H-A-P-P-Y, and others. We had a retired missionary who taught us those days, <clears throat> and she taught me a song which went, Yagu gutagu i mariao, i mariao, i mariao, yagu gutagu i mariao. Yesu we marry oh. I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I did know what it meant. It meant, I am so glad that Jesus loves me. But I didn't know where it came from. Years later, we had a lass here, and some of you will remember Rose from New Guinea, and she was at our uh, home group. I suddenly thought, I wonder whether Rose knows this song. So I sang it to Rose, and her eyes lit up. She said, that's my dad's language in New Guinea. Wasn't that lovely? <clears throat> there was another song I sang, and I've never known the words, but I know it was Aboriginal. It was, na-na-na-na, katuja, na-na-na-na, katuja, got a yutu, na-na. Fantastic song. It's absolutely amazing how uh, all those early songs stick in your memory. I've heard quite a number of testimonies over the years where people reaching a deep despair have cried out to God who brings them a memory of, of a Sunday school song. And from, this, uh, and from that, ushered them into the kingdom. Lovely. So good on you, Sunday school teachers. Sunday school for us was at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Evening worship at 7 o'clock. Singing was a big big part of Sunday school. Every year we held Sunday school anniversaries, which replaced the normal church services on two Sundays. It was three services on anniversary days, and later as I grew older, the youth would meet after the evening service for sing-songs in private homes. I think there was around 140 in our Sunday school and our youth group was approximately 30 to 40. <coughs> but singing was a huge part of it. The normal church service in those days comprised four hymns, one at the beginning, one at the end and two in between. 
Between the singing was prayer, often including the Lord's Prayer, reading of Psalms, a children's talk, a choir item, and of course the sermon. The service normally took one hour. Dad and my brother John and myself were in the choir, which on special occasions sang oratorios like Olivet to Calvary, Crucifixion, the Messiah, and Haydn's Creation. They weren't wonderful renditions, of course, but the congregation sat through them with graciousness and made approving comments after the service. These days, in some circles, it has become fashionable to denigrate religion not being uh, lively enough uh, in the old religious services as lacking life, not being free enough. But actually, I reject that view. In April 1953, during the Methodist Mission to the Nation, does anybody know, remember that at all? Probably not. Reverend Alan Walker, under the leadership of Reverend Alan Walker, in the evening service at Spicer Memorial Church, 4th Avenue, St Peter's, in response to the preacher of that night, I, at the age of 16, made a public commitment of my life to Jesus. As I sang the final hymn, I felt the Holy Spirit compelling me to respond to the preacher's invitation. I resisted, thinking that I had been in the church all my life, and I had been from the moment I was born. But as I wrestled with the Lord, my hymn book seemed to mysteriously close in my hand. And before I knew it, I was standing before the altar. The Holy Spirit moved in those times as well. Our parents, and particularly their parents before them, had been through two world wars and a deep economic depression. Through those times, they had held firmly to the faith. They taught us Christian ethics, honesty, steadfastness, temperance, hospitality. They taught us of the saving grace of Jesus, love of God and concern for our neighbour. I greatly value that inheritance. All of this was reflected in the hymns we sang. Many of the hymns have been born out of sheer joy in the face of huge difficulties. Wonderful testimony of God's love and his concern for us. I believe it is immensely valuable to know the rich heritage that has gone before us. The following hymns which I would like us to hear following hymn which I'd like us to hear now is a testimony to that heritage. In this case, it's from an American perspective, and I apologise for that, but uh, because I don't have it being sung on the basis of an English heritage, but it was a song called Faith of Our Fathers. So let's have a listen to it now, Dave, you wouldn't mind? <coughs>
You can also mention uh, the American Four Great Awakenings and the influences of Whitfield, Finney, Moody and others. The Azusa Street Revival was a very important historical time for those of us of a Pentecostal persuasion. For someone who has an English heritage like me, I'm grateful for the Great Wesleyan Revival with John and Charles Wesley, Evan Robertson, the Welsh Revival. Theologians like William Law, missionaries like David Livingston, evangelists like William Booth, scientists like Isaac Newton, and reformists like William Wilberforce. Accompanying much of this activity were the great hymn writers and compilers, Fanny Crosby, Isaac Watts, Charles Wesley and Ira Sankey, and many others. Now, Fanny Crosby was born in New York in 1820, Within two weeks, she was blind due to a bad medical occasion, a decision, a quack doctor. Two weeks, she was blind. Well, blind all her life. She wrote over 9,000 hymns, including Pass Me Not, O Gentle Saviour, To God Be the Glory, and the wonderful hymn, Blessed Assurance. Included amongst her writings was this short poem. Can I get that up there? Uh, What do I do, Dave? This one? That's it. Oh, what a happy soul I am. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. Fantastic. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, 
washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Saviour all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Saviour all the day long. Absolutely fantastic words. person who was blind, spent all life. 90, 95 years of them, bar two weeks, uh, in such assurance of faith. She rejoiced, she said, because the first face I'll see is the Lord Jesus. John Newton, Newton a uh, converted slave trader, wrote the famous hymn Amazing Grace which we sing in a modern format. It is probably the most beloved hymn of the last two centuries. It is estimated to be performed 10 million times annually and has appeared on over 11,000 albums. It was referenced in Harriet Beecher Stowe's anti-slavery novel, Uncle, Tom, Uncle Tom's Cabin, and had a surge of popularity during two of America's greatest crises, the Civil War and the Vietnam War. Between 1970 and 1972, Judy Collins recorded, recorded, spent 67 weeks on the chart and peaked at number five. Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, Johnny Cash, William, William, Willie Nelson and Elvis are among the many artists to record that song. So it has quite a popularity. Another hymn we sing here in a modern format is All Is Well With My Soul. This hymn was written after traumatic events in Horatio Spafford's life. I don't know whether you know it, but he lost a son. He lost everything he owned in a great Chicago fire. And he sent his family back to England. On the way, the ship hit another ship and sunk. His four daughters were killed, drowned. His wife was saved. She sent him a text. Not a text. <laughs> it was before his time. <laughs> he said, she sent him a telegram saying, Saved alone. On the way, when he, uh, when he then packed up, uh, he, was, he had been delayed in Chicago because of land zoning and he went over to England on the way. He went past the spot where the ship had gone down and he wrote that's, those words um, which are, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billow roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well. With my soul, with my soul, it is well. It is well with my soul. All things for Horatio work together for good. Charles Wesley is the one I identify with the most strongly, being a Methodist originally. Still a Methodist at heart, I think, with a Pentecostal flavour. <laughs> it is said that he wrote 8,969 hymns. 
he and John were strong advocates not only in our justification before God by the atoning work of Jesus, but also in our sanctification by the continuing work of the Holy Spirit to make us like Jesus. I love that. Charles wrote hymns like, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, Jesus, lover of my soul, and can it be that I should gain interest in my Saviour's blood? And this is my favourite. Love divine, all loves excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down, fix in us thy humble dwelling. All thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation, enter every trembling heart. Breathe, O oh, breathe, thy loving spirit into every troubled breast. Let us all in thee inherit, let us find that second rest. Take away our bent to sinning, Alpha and Omega be. End of faith as its beginning, set our hearts at liberty. Come, almighty to deliver, let us all thy life receive. Suddenly return and never, never more thy temples leave. Thee we would be always blessing, serve thee as thy hosts above. Pray and praise thee without ceasing, glory in thy perfect love. Finish then thy new creation, you and me this is. Pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee. Change from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder. Love and praise. Let's have a listen to that now. Thanks, Dave.
What a wonderful heritage we have. Judy and I were married in 1960, apple blossom time. Certainly in the other side of the world, I think. We were both 22. There began for us a time of answered prayers and God's provision which continues to today. But that is another story. At the age of 29, during the early days of the charismatic renewal, I actively sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit and was filled in a lovely encounter with him shortly after my 30th birthday in 1967. Four years later, we moved to Coromandel Valley, joining the small Methodist church on Acton Hill Road and Main Road Corner. At that time, we experienced the move of God upon the lives of many in that community. It was a wonderful time of intimacy with the Lord and deep and lasting friendships with those God was filling with his spirit. It was then that we began singing praise and worship songs and scripture in song. They were generally short songs, easy to remember, spiritual, personal towards the Father, Holy Son and Holy Spirit, and had the capacity to draw the fellowship into a deep sense of unity. Early songs were, this is the day, this is the day. From the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, I found a new way of living, I found a new life divine. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. He is my peace. It shall flow like a river. Not so well known, but I love it. And sweep over my soul, sweet spirit. And so on. Our family could drive from Muta to Adelaide singing those songs all the way without singing the same one twice. Like my early Sunday school days, many have been retained in my memory and we sing some of them at our Wednesday home group. One we used to sing was Rejoice in the Lord Always. Do you remember that one? Who, who knows that one? I thought we might, we used to sing those around. I thought we might do that now. Rejoice, it goes like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. You got that? So this side I'll keep Richard in this side, I think, because he can hold the tune for you. And, 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 and Jenny, and this side, I'll, I'll sing with this other side. The idea is you sing, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And then the other one comes in with that, starting there, whereas the 
Another group Columbus. Hey guys, rejoice. Shall we give it a go? Pun? Too high. Oh, sorry. You give us the lead then. No, we've got, we've got to sing two lines. So, the, you, we'll, we start this one. This And again I say, rejoice. Fabulous. It's a lovely thing to enter into prayer together and to be able to sing a song which others can join in without having to resort to printed matter. One of the things that disappoints me is that as Australians, we generally lack the long traditions of cultural songs and dance that more established cultures enjoy, learn from childhood and enter into spontaneously with one another. We do have Walsing Matilda, of course, the national anthem which few know the words of, and the Crow song. <laughs> but they are not quite what I had in mind. The songs of spiritual renewal give us the opportunity to just worship together. And um, that's a lovely thing. As we drew closer to the Lord in that time with, and with greater expectation during the 1970s, we saw the gifts of the Spirit in operation. <clears throat> Healings, words of wisdom and knowledge, prophecies, speaking in tongues, and interpretations, and even casting out demons. It was a wonderful time. At that time, we experienced singing in the Spirit. Simply put, it was singing in other tongues. When a body of believers waits on the Lord and each other and lets their voices flow together in spiritual harmony, the effect can be electrifying. I've known wonderful moments of anointing and to tell you the truth, I often feel the desire to sing in the Spirit during fellowship meetings and in our services. But I draw back, unsure whether others want me to and conscious that few or none may join me. 
it's probably disobedience on my part. But I pray that we, as a community, might know that experience. It's beautiful and it's uh, outside of yourself, so to speak. I encourage you to um, consider it. These days, I wholeheartedly enter into the modern songs. There are those which lift me up into heavenly places, like, Come, now is the time to worship. And bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And what lovely songs we had this morning. Thank you, Kathy. Praise. The first word was praise. I thought, hallelujah. What a wonderful thing. Praise. The people of Israel were people who praised God in song. There are wonderful examples in the Old Testament. The song of Moses, when they... Uh, left the promised land, they left the, sorry, when they entered the promised before they entered the promised land, they left Egypt. Um, the tabernacle of David, which he set up, it didn't have the veil that the tabernacle of Moses had. It was a place where he gathered singers and musicians and instituted a time of continuous worship. Uh, this is an excerpt concerning the completion of the temple it occurred by Solomon. It occurs in Second Chronicles chapter 5. <laughs> then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place, underneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the Ark so the cherubim made a covering above the ark and its poles. And the poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside. And they are there to this day, says the writer. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions and all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman and Jedithon, the sons and kinsmen, arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps and lyres, stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments, in praise to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. What a fantastic thing. Ephesians 5 and 19 says, Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing 
make without the J, by the way. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and something, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Praise and worship are powerful things. Through them we are united with the Spirit of our Creator. In our present day, I think there is a call to a deeper and higher praise. It will be our praise and worship in the face of atheistic challenges that will pull down the strongholds and release those who are bound. I was listening to an atheist being interviewed on the radio some time ago who admitted he admitted that the one thing his faith, and it is a faith to be an atheist, prevented the obvious joy and praise which believers experience. It's an area that they, could, they cannot enter. What a, what, a, what a testimony to the faith of Christ. When I was preparing my university thesis many years ago, I was reporting to an atheistic lecturer. We fell into discussion about faith and he explained that he could enjoy a sunset just as much as I could. He didn't need a belief in God to experience that. <coughs> I left that encounter realising that, that I had missed an opportunity somehow but not really knowing at the time how to respond to him. Sometime later, I learnt that John Denver, the country and singer, had fallen in love with Annie and wrote Annie's song. I thought everybody can enjoy that song, but Annie would know it at a different level. Then I saw it. The love relationship we have with our God makes everything different. Praise the Lord. Will you join with me in singing how marvellous, how wonderful. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvellous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvellous, how wonderful is my Saviour's love for me. For me. Angels beheld him and came from the world. 
Fantastic. Thank you, music team, for leading us in that song of great worship and uh, earlier on as well. It was wonderful. Uh, David, uh, really appreciated what you had to say today. It was um, good sort of hearing of your journey with the Lord as, as well as how music is interwoven with that. And we are really blessed that your journey led you and Judy and others of your family here and to be active members of this, this family. And just, yeah, appreciate uh, your sharing of how profound music can be when it's within the context of our love and knowledge of the Lord. And, yeah, we see it even today, I think, and we'll go on um, in a rich heritage. So, yeah, thanks again. Uh, we're finished now in terms of the formalities for today, but um, just invite you all to uh, hang around for a while in the coffee room and catch up. If you've come this morning for prayer, our prayer team will be uh, waiting uh, over here to my left as well. And if there's anything, a need or a point of praise that you want someone to stand with you in prayer, just encourage you to come down and do that now. And yeah, just, just trust you have a good week and have really experienced uh, the touch of the Lord in this place today. Thank you.